Welcome back to the McCann Dogs podcast. This is season three, episode three, and you might notice that my voice isn't quite as deep as it usually is, and that's because I'm not Ken. Ken usually does our intro, but we're changing up our format a little bit, and I'm going to sit and have a chat with instructor Robbie today. She's actually joined us in the studio today, which is a really nice treat for us. How are you, Robbie? I'm great. I'm joining you here in the flesh today. In the flesh. Robbie exists. She is not just a torso and a head that we only see on Zoom. Robbie actually lives a couple of hours away from us now, so it's a little bit of a drive for her to get back. But we are committed to sitting down together and having some chats for our podcast every couple of weeks so that we can make sure that we continue to put out the McCann Dogs podcast and all the interesting things we talk about. So today we are going to chat a little bit about equipment and we get tons of questions about equipment. What do we use in our training? What do we recommend? What don't we recommend, etc. So today Robbie and I are going to have a little chat about what we do use. And Robbie, what is your go-to equipment when you have a puppy? What are the what are the things you absolutely must have on hand? First and foremost is a flat buckle collar and a leather leash. Perfect. And why do you like leather for your leash? Uh, I just find the leather is so much nicer to work with. It's easier in the hands. Um, it gives you better control over the puppy. You don't get rope burn like you often get <laughs> with those um, nasty nylon leashes. The leather is just so much nicer to work with. Yeah, absolutely. Any of those nylon leashes, if you have a really strong dog or a dog that can really pull, they tend to burn and it gets really hard to get a good grip on them. So that leather leash, I couldn't agree more. It's so nice to have a supple leash that you can grab a hold of. You can get a good grip on. They're not. It's not slipping through your fingers. And it's not going to burn. I had a burn from um, from a nylon leash, actually from a flexi lead that uh, really early in the days, uh, retractable leash, my Rottweiler saw something exciting and I was locking the front door and she decided to take a little uh, romp towards what that thing was. And instinctually, instead of locking the button, I actually reached out and grabbed the line. Ouch. And just, it makes me cringe even to think about it now. But nylon can burn very, very intensely, which is not, not nice at all. So. Um, leather leash, flat buckle collar. Is there anything else in your must-have list that you insist on when you're bringing home a puppy? Uh, well, I do actually, I will admit, I do buy a nylon leash, but I buy that nylon leash to be used as a house line, something that my puppy can drag around in the house. And what I'll do is I'll just find myself a cheap nylon leash, cut the handle off of it, and presto, I've got a great little house leash that my puppy can drag around the house. It's not getting caught on things. I don't have to worry about a handle. And that just kind of takes over when my leather leash is not being used for formal training purposes. Yeah, it's so nice to have that handle on the puppy. It's so important. If we can't catch our puppies, they have two more legs than we do. They're already faster than us. If we can't catch them, it is so hard to give them good direction. So um, with the house leash, people people often misunderstand how we actually use a house leash. And it is not meant to be used where, like you said, you cut the handle off. You don't even have a handle on it. So tell me um, just briefly how you use use the house line. So when my puppy comes out of the crate, the very first thing I'll do is I'll attach the house line. And that line is just meant to drag on the ground. So I'm not actually holding it. I'm 
I have it there as a safety net so that if my puppy decided to go elsewhere um, or if the cat entered the room, I could quickly put my, put my foot on it and stop the house and stop the puppy from leaving. Or if I really needed to, I could pick it up. It's not that I can't pick it up. It's just that it's not meant to be an actual training leash like the leather leash where you're holding it and you have it gathered up properly. The house leash is dragging. It's just there to basically maintain control of the puppy at all times. And, um, the nice thing about it is that it's light and it's not as noticeable to the dog as a, as a big clunky leather leash would be. Not that our leather leashes are clunky, but for dragging for a young yeah. puppy, that's not the most effective. We like just to have a nice thin nylon leash that they can drag around and we can ma- maintain control of them with. Perfect. So for me, the um, the house line, I'm trying to simulate my dog being off leash with that house line. I don't want to use it as a leash. So having the handle cut off is such a brilliant thing. And then having it just drag around is such a great thing because it enables you to just be calm, right? If your puppy gets into mischief and you're about to go in and redirect them to something else that they, you know, that they can do instead of what they're doing, we don't want to end up in a situation where our puppy goes, oh, I see you coming and they learn to play games like keep away, etc. So having that, that house line dragging just allows us to walk up and step on it calmly and then we can redirect the puppy from there and it's such an easy experience compared to having to try to chase them and catch them and I was actually helping a woman with support this morning that was saying help what do I do as soon as I turn around to go and take control with my puppy he goes and deeks underneath the couch and it's like yeah they they like playing those games and that's not a it's not a bad puppy he's just he's trying really hard to engage in a game and have fun basically sneaking up behind her doing a big loud bark and then when she would turn around to address it he would take off and run underneath the couch which doesn't sound like that much fun when you're trying to direct and control and uh, help your puppy learn the rules of the house so that house line just allows us to be one step ahead and my puppy is never outside of the crate without a house line on I could not agree more with that Robbie it's so important yeah and and the other thing too is that so many people ask us you know how do you get your dogs to listen to you so well when they're off leash and the whole idea behind the leash is that it's not meant to be tight when we're working with it. And so many people, they pick up the leash and their pup, their puppy is really nothing more than a puppet on a string. They're physically guiding the dog. They're constantly manipulating the dog. And the dog never learns how to be off leash because they become so accustomed to that tight leash all of the time that when the leash does come off, the dog is gone. So that, that house line being loose or being on the ground dragging, it just allows us to simulate having the dog off leash eventually so that they learn to listen. But again, it's there if we need to step on it in order to regain control of them. You bet. That is such a brilliant golden nugget. I always call them the golden nuggets of dog training. And Robbie just dropped one on you right there. Our entire goal with training our dogs is that eventually we get to the point where we have them off leash. We don't want to have to have a leash on to control all the time, but the leash is there more as a safety break. It's more as the ability to prevent your dog from continuing to make mistakes or from getting hurt you know if they're if they're not reliable with the recall yet we need to make sure that we have some sort of management tool that we can control them with but knowing that eventually our goal is to have a dog that listens completely off leash we need to make sure that the training we do when that leash is on doesn't make the leash obvious because we don't want to create leash wise dogs. We don't want to create dogs that recognize that that leash is on because there's tension on the collar all the time. And then we end up in a situation where we take it off. It's a very different sensation of freedom for the dog. And they learn that 
it's easier for them to get away with with things that they shouldn't when they don't have that automatic implied control on their collar. So absolutely, such an important thing that loose leash and loose leash. And if you're when you're using your house line, not if we definitely recommend everybody uses a house line, but keep it to the safety break. Don't try to use it as a leash. Don't try to steer your dog with it. Act as if it's not there at all, unless you're in that sort of emergency response situation where you're trying to come back from some mistake that they've made or prevent some mistake. Um, You said a flat buckle collar. So we'll move on from the house line. Uh, What exactly is it about a buckle that, um, that you would want in a collar? First and foremost is safety. And and we do recognize that the buckle is a little bit more challenging to put on a puppy or to take off a puppy when they're squirming. But the buckle is so much safer. We've seen so many of those plastic snaps break when puppies have, you know, suddenly hit the end of the leash and pop. The collar's gone, the puppy's gone. So the pop um goes the puppy. Pop goes the puppy, <laughs> exactly. So we want the buckle collar because we know it's a lot safer for the puppy. Um the chances of something happening there, very, very slim. So safety is our number one issue when we're working with a puppy. Not that you can't buy a decent snap collar. You can, but the buckle is so much safer for the puppy. It's a yeah. little bit more expensive as well, but it's worth it in the end. Definitely. And uh, if you do decide to go with a snap, I usually will reserve snaps for once I have a dog that is very well trained. So exactly. if it does go awry... I've got my voice to rely on. So I don't usually use them with puppies at all. I'll stick with a buckle to make sure that the puppy is safe and secure, as you mentioned. Um, If you do go to a snap, do some testing with it. Give it some good, solid yanks. You know, some of the design collars that are really, really pretty that come with a buckle, the buckles themselves are are very lacking when it comes to uh, being secure enough to contain a puppy, especially as the puppies get bigger. And, you know, if you've got some pulling behaviors and whatnot, you certainly don't want to lose your dog on the street before you have a good recall. Absolutely. So buckles, very handy. I definitely agree. Um, What do you like in terms of width of a collar for your puppies or for your dogs? Um, Well, I I don't like to use really thin collars. I find that the thin collars, they they sometimes are very uncomfortable for the puppy or for the dog. They kind of dig into the dog's neck. So I I look for something that has a little bit of width to it. So with my adult dogs, you know, they're 30 pound dogs. They're currently wearing um, collars that are approximately about, I would say, three quarters to maybe an inch in width. And I just find it a lot more comfortable for them. And for the puppies as well, something a little bit wider as opposed to something thin. Yeah, I like that. I agree completely. Um, And I find that uh, once again, once I have my well-trained dogs, I can go to a fancy collar or a thicker collar or like a rolled leather collar. But when I'm actually training, I want something that makes really good contact with the neck, has enough width to be supportive with the dog, but um, not so much width that I can't transfer information easily to the dog. So, um, And I'll I'll actually admit, I I am a collar junkie. I have multiple collars (laughs) for my dogs. I have their everyday collar that they get walked on and then they have their their fancy show collars not that I show my dogs but I like to have those fancy mm-hmm. jeweled collars but for my puppies it's just a plain old buckle collar you know with a little bit of color and that is it yeah think function in your training collars think um think fancy and fun and wonderful once they're trained and you don't necessarily need to rely on them to transfer information when you're working with training collars you definitely want something that will function well for the training i love that Okay. Um, there's a tool called a gentle leader. Let's talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that. Mm-hmm. This is one of the things that we really, really love. We love gentle leaders. They're such nice tools for 
taking the energy out of a dog or for taking some of the strength out of a dog and giving it to the handler instead. Some of our puppies are really strong at a really young age. Tell me about gentle leaders from your perspective. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different head halters on the market these days, and um, we've seen many of them, but we by far prefer the gentle leader. We yeah. find them to be so and We much don't more get endorsed by gentle leader either. I'll just not. say yes. We just happen to like them. We think they're very effective. Um, they fit very comfortably for the dog because the neck piece and the nose piece are fit independently. So we get a nice comfortable fit for the dog. And one of the things that we love about them is that they're so much safer than a lot of the other head halters that you can buy out there. If the dog happens to paw the nose piece off, which some dogs will start to do when they're first getting used to it, they'll they'll fuss a little bit with it. But if they happen to get the nose piece off, they're still attached, so there's no need to panic. Whereas some of the other head halters, they come with an extra piece that attaches to their collar. But the problem is, as soon as you attach that extra piece to their collar, for safety reasons, it totally negates the effectiveness Mm -hmm. of the head halter. Absolutely. So the gentle leader is so much more effective. And the other thing we love about it is that it's so much easier to wean off of because our goal is not to use the gentle leader forever. The gentle leader is, is what we would consider to be a training tool just like the leash is a training tool the food is a training tool these are all tools we're going to use to teach the dog how to listen so with the gentle leader we love it because when the dog's doing well we can remove the nose leap the nose loop and just attach the leash to the neck piece and then that way we have control almost like it was a flat buckle collar and then if things start to fall apart then you have the nose loop to put back on so it is easier to wean off of ultimately in the end yeah it's got a really nice in-between point for that. And the nice thing about the the gentle leader is just like its name implies, it takes the pressure off the neck. So if you have a dog that's really powerful, that's really pulling, you know, we need some way of getting ahead with that. And uh, we're going to get to the part of this podcast where we talk about the tools that we don't use. And some of those we don't use because we don't like the way that they guide the dog in terms of pain, in turn, terms of correction being added Um in too intense of a way, I'll say. So, dun, dun, dun. We're going to talk about things like prong collars and chain collars and e-collars, perhaps. And these are things that um, we don't use in our training, and I'm not in any way condemning these things, but it's not the way we train dogs. So, if you are going to use any of these tools, I really strongly encourage you to do your homework and find somebody who knows how to use these tools well. Because simply putting one of these tools on your dog and using it to stop bad behavior is not a good way for dogs to learn. And there's huge holes that get left in that system. We end up with a dog who only has a piece of the puzzle when we're only using correction. So we want to make sure that our dogs are are much better versed in life than that. We want to make sure that they are, re- are ready to read a situation and not necessarily just react assuming that there's going to be some sort of harm that would come from a collar like a prong collar if misused. Absolutely. And with the McCann method, our, our goal is communication. Yes. We want to communicate with the dog in a way that it means something to the dog. We don't want to use force and fear and mechanics to to intimidate the dog and and make them worried about us. We want them to enjoy working with us. So our goal is communication. We train through psychology. We help the dog understand what we want them to do rather than just make them do it. Absolutely. And I want to enjoy the training process as much as I want my dog to enjoy the training process. Like these are some of the things that flash through my mind. I know that there are some 
wonderful ways to teach a dog. And sometimes those ways might be a little bit of a slower route to get there in terms of a direct route. But one of our instructors, Instructor Carol, is so famous for saying slow is fast. And there's no truer place than dog training, in my opinion. Like, don't you think? That is such, it's such a perfect place to apply that theory because if you take the quick fix route with dog training, there's usually fallout to be had. If you take the slow methodical approach that's very thorough, that teaches the dog, not only when they're wrong, we're not averse to using correction in our training, but we want to make sure that it is done in a fair way. We don't want to start training with correction. I would never want to learn by somebody being heavy handed with me. I'd much rather learn with somebody gently coaxing me along, you know, and showing me what I need to do so I can process and think and enjoy the the process and then move forward from there. So, um, Give me a little bit more uh, more uh, background on why you're not you're not into prong chain e collar training, Rob. Yeah, I, I often I have often joked that we should have something um, you know somewhere you know on our on our website where it says if you're looking for a quick fix in dog training, keep looking because we're not the trainers <laughs> for you. You know, we want to take the time and invest the time that mm-hmm. we need to with our dogs and teach them how to listen and teach them you know, how to communicate with us and we communicate with them. So it's a two-way street, you know, in order to be able to have that communication, there needs to be understanding on both sides. And um, our goal is to help the dogs clearly understand what we want them to do. And it's not that we won't use some sort of correction along the way to Mm -hmm. say, no, you can't do that. But there needs to be understanding first before we can do that. We need to make sure that we're giving the dog the opportunity to learn what's expected of them, where we're setting them up for success so we can say to them, yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. And then eventually when the dog makes a poor choice, um, once they have an understanding as to how they're supposed to behave, then we will say, no, you can't do that. But we need to do that with proper time. And that's one of the reasons why we don't like to use the prongs and the e-collars and the chain collars, because in order to use those very effectively, the person at the end of the leash has to have impeccable timing. And if that timing is off, even by a little bit, it just creates so much confusion for the dog, so much stress, stress, so much anxiety. It's just not fair to the dog. So again, we're looking to communicate with the dog help them understand what we want them to do by using tools that are that are effective but are fair to the dog. Yeah, absolutely. You said it really, really well there. Um, the McCann method of training. I mean, we do use correction in our training. We are, um, we're not closed off to u- the use of correction, but it comes after we've taught. You know, it, it comes after the dog has had a fair chance to understand what we're asking of them. And then at that point, we, they have an understanding where the correction is not just going to be a linear experience where they're told they're wrong, but not necessarily having an understanding of how to be right in that situation. So, um, that is, is a big reason that we steer clear of these tools as far as training tools because when you teach right from the start and you take that slow methodical approach and you help the dog understand their job once you get out of the training phase you no longer need tools like this so you can get it done without getting to that point in the overwhelming majority of cases that's not to say that there's not some tough dogs out there but it's not the way we do things so um, the last piece of equipment that I wanted to talk about about here is a little bit less controversial on the um, correction side of things, but it can be pretty controversial as far as training goes because it's not the most effective tool in almost almost the majority of cases, I would say, and that is a harness. 
Tell me, Robbie, when in your training or when in your dog's life do you ever use a harness? Um, I will say that I do use a harness with my dogs, but only in very specific situations and only once my dog has excellent listening skills. Harnesses don't give us the ability to communicate very effectively with the dog. So I use a harness as like a safety net per se. So, you know, if my dogs are young and they're just learning how to go hiking in the forest, you know, and I'm not 100% sure if I unclip that leash that that dog's going to listen, I'm not going to take a chance. I'm not going to turn my dog loose and say, I hope they listen when they see that deer, or I hope they listen when they see that other dog coming down the path. So what I'll do in those situations, I'll I'll have a harness on my dog with a long line attached to the harness. And the reason why I use a harness in that situation is because if they're romping through the forest and they're running along and they get snagged on a branch or something, I don't want them coming to a screeching halt with a long line attached to their collar. That's just not very safe for them. So that is a situation where I will use a harness, but I never use a harness in a teaching situation simply because, again, they don't give the dog the information um, very effectively. And again, our goal in, in training is communication and the caller or the general leader is the best job for that. Absolutely. That's brilliant. Um, One of the things that you said in there that I wanted to touch on was that when you have a young dog that's not quite there in terms of their listening skills. So this is a dog um, that has some training under their belt, but we're in the stage where we're, it's sort of the make or break stage. Once they have an understanding of the skills, now we need to make sure that we can apply it in real world situations. And sometimes the distractions that we put them into are going to be a little bit overfacing for them. So with the McCann method, we're always geared on setting our dogs up for success. So we don't want to take that precarious time and risk that there's going to be a situation where our dogs are now able to chase the deer and we have no ability to stop them. You know, if they're in over their head, a deer appears, we haven't proofed enough in our recall yet to be able to rely on it and call them back. You know, I mean, the Fenton video was really funny, but it could have been a disastrous (laughs) thing for so many people and all the traffic crossing and the herd of wildlife. So it's so important that we're able to control our dogs and having that set up. This is how we transition. Like people always ask us, how do we transition to being on trails and having our dogs listen well and it's because we use the equipment as long as we need to we don't risk it when we're when we're feeling like okay things are coming together i'm feeling empowered this dog is listening so well life is great we still have the safety net in place and it just drags it's not like you said it's attached to the harness and it's dragging along it's not there for you to hold on to it's just there so that if the deer does appear you have a safety break in place. Um, I like harnesses for my trained dogs when I'm not necessarily relying on using any any sort of movement or having to having to rely on the harness harness to help guide my dog. Um, I will use them for trained dogs, but uh, for the most part, they're just there as decoration. Uh, you know, it might be a situation where I'm not quite feeling good about having them off leash in that scenario. You know, maybe there's maybe it's not an off leash. Um, an, an area where he's allowed to be off leash. So I'll put a harness on and drag a leash. I, I, I love that idea a lot too. So um, anything else that you wanted to touch on in terms of equipment? We covered a lot. I think we did. I think mm-hmm. maybe the only other thing I would consider is a bait pouch. Oh um, yeah, great one. Yeah, not not everyone has pockets um, and not <laughs> everyone wants to put dog food in their pocket. Although I will say that um, I've always had dog food in my pocket. Me I've too. had um, the mice in my laundry room love me because oh, they <laughs> nibbled through my pockets and um, polished off the leftover dog food. Um, but bait pouches are so handy because, you know, a lot of times 
we're working with students and they're trying to hold the food in their hand and it just doesn't work because you've yeah. got the, the leash in one hand and then you got a handful of food. It's just not effective dog training. So we like to have something that we contain the food in, whether it's a bait pouch or a really great pocket. Yeah, that is a good idea. Um, I have a lot of clothes with cheese fused into the pocket yes. because cheese, little cheese chunks will stay in there through the wash and then in the dryer, they just melt right in and you know, it's a lovely after effect. So uh, bait pouch is definitely handy. Yeah, I can reach into my pocket right now and I can feel all the little crumbs in there. And this this um, this sweater was just recently washed. So yeah. apparently my washing machine is um, not as good quality as I um, <laughs> thought it was. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my goodness. So bait pouch and uh, that will save your pockets and it'll probably save your washer and dryer too. It's probably not good for cheese to be going through the washer and dryer. Alrighty. Well, we have talked about a lot of different equipment. We get so many questions about equipment that I hope that's really helped people um, try to figure out what equipment they're going to use and when. And of course, if you are looking for some more training with your dog, if you're looking for some personalized training advice and feedback for your dog, we have online training programs for puppies as young as eight weeks of age. And actually, I need to reword the way I say that because now we have a puppy prep guide that is that's actually right. for before your puppy even comes home so that you can prepare your house, you can get all of your equipment, you can be ready for your puppy once they get home. And uh, there is a lot of really wonderful advice about how to set up and some of the things that are fairly traditional mistakes that people make that we've pointed out right away, um, what those are and how they might hurt you. So you can actually start in our online training programs very, very early with your puppy. Uh, join us for Puppy Essentials and then join us for Life Skills as well. And you can work directly with the McCann Dogs instructors for all of your training advice with structured programs and all sorts of advice and help. And on that note, I'm Instructor Shannon. I'm Instructor Robbie. And thanks for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the McCann Dogs podcast. And if you'd like some more training resources, be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at McCann Dogs. And if you'd like to train with us online, be sure to check out the show notes below for our My Dog Can online training program, where we know in just a few weeks, your dog will become a well-behaved family member. Until then, happy training. <laughs>